I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. I'm Michael Patton, and we are continuing our series on UFOlogy, UFOlogy, uh, the bizarre stuff that's going on, the, the stuff that is in our culture that ma- is making us scratch our head and sometimes, you know, really excites us. I think it's exciting in a very real way, but we're just trying to ask the question, what on earth is going on? I have, as you can see, Ed with me again, and he is my guest because he is not only, not only do we talk about this, not only has he studied a lot, not only does he have some really interesting opinions, but he's been through the theology program, so he knows how to think. And if you want to learn how to think, you go to the theology program. You get that. You go from beginning to end at Credo House or CredoCourses.com. CredoCourses.com. Find the theology program. Find uh, the digital platinum drive you know, either the thumb drive or the download that has the theology program and start an introduction to theology number one, class number one. Start there uh, and go through the entire 60 sessions. It will take you from beginning to end. But that's where I that's where I met Ed. He was in my class back in 2005, I believe it was, maybe 2006. And we have had a blast ever since getting to know each other and just talking on the phone, t- talking through text. And finally, we're getting up here and we said, we just need to put this up. So uh, that's what we're doing, but go there, purchase that, but also become a member of the Patreon. Uh, my Patreon page, P-R-T-R, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, forward slash C. Michael Patton. Uh, so, or just search it that way, uh, because that's how you help us if you want to help us. Yes, buying stuff does help too. And uh, one thing is, if you cannot get this stuff, if you don't have the money to for, for it, there is a text number on our site, on credocourses.com. Find that where you find contact us. Text me and just say, I don't have the money for this, but I need it. I promise you, I'll give it to you. Okay, so let's begin again, Ed. Uh, but I'm going to start with a story, okay? Because I think it'll be relevant. Um, and I think I've told you this before. I actually remembered a little bit more of it today since we've been thinking about it so much. But uh, uh, back in 2009, I wrote a blog um, that is about ghosts. And it's called The Christian View of the Paranormal. I'll try to remember to put that in the uh, in the information on Facebook, but the uh, Christian view of the paranormal. And after I wrote that, I had a guy call that I knew of, but I didn't know m- very much of about him. Um, his name was Michael Heiser, and he called up at the Credo House. That's where you know that we, we whenever we had the actual Credo House coffee shop, and he said, "Listen, I am starting a a paranormal." Um, but it wasn't really, it was kind of paranormal everything, you know, kind of like what we, we talked about two sessions ago. This is the third session. He, he, uh, he's, he's talked about, you know, kind of the general thing about the mysterious things that are outside fringe things that Christians, especially scholars like Michael Heiser do not talk about. And he said, I'm starting this and we're, this is going to be a journal or a podcast or something. And I, uh, he asked me to be involved in it. Now, I, uh, I, I thought it was, I'll be truthful with you. I was scared to do that. Uh, 
I was like, I, I don't necessarily want to be associated with this. Yes, I wrote this blog on it, but I've only had about ghosts or paranormal stuff. I have one blog out of 2,500 blogs that I've written. So uh, it's not an emphasis of mine. It's an emphasis in mine in the sense of I'm very interested in it. I do uh, study it on the outside, but uh, uh, I didn't want to have my name associated with it. Now, Michael Heiser, as it turns out, and I knew he was a scholar then, but he turns out he was one of the greatest guys. He was so important, I think, to our day. Um, unfortunately he passed away a couple few months ago. Uh, and I wish he was around right now. I wish he could, he could be teaching right now on this stuff. I wish we could do a podcast with him just like this on this stuff. But, um, I think he's, he's influenced a lot of people. I mean, it's very important. His book, the unseen realm, I think is a very, very important book for people to read. And as we've been talking about this for, for a long time, uh, me and Ed, one of the things that we, I think is happening is we're trying to break you out of a box that you may have about spiritual beings, what they are, and uh, how they interact, all all the their purposes. We're trying to get you out of a little box that maybe you have called uh, the humans, animals, angels, demons. That's the only things that exist, and they're all in a certain category, and it's easy to figure out. That's no, I do not believe that's true. Michael Heiser does a really good job of being, he's a biblical scholar, Old Testament scholar of taking the Old Testament. I believe he interprets things very, very well. I may not believe that he does systematic theology that good, but that's okay. He's also a lot smarter than me. So listen to him and any type of disagreement I may have with him because he is smarter than me. But having said that, um, he has he has uh, particular views about things that are are uh, are like I said very important but very different probably to what you think and he is an evangelical. There's nothing he's outside the box in as far as orthodoxy. He's not a crazy loon talking about paranormal stuff and aliens all the time. He's actually very grounded, but is do did a lot of what we're doing right here, trying to understand things and take it out of the box, the whole spiritual world, the uh, principles and the principalities the of darkness, the, the unseen realm that we battle against. Uh, he, he tried to take and make us understand that. Now, Ed, we were talking la last time about the Nephilim. Right. Um, we had gotten to the point where we said, both of us believe these were spiritual beings that we just put in a category called angels, but we don't necessarily believe they were angels. We don't know. They were just some type of spiritual beings, and we often call them angels, but they called the Son of God, the sons of God. And we believe that they actually had sex with these women, uh, they actually lusted after these women, and that's the reason why they had sex with them, and rebelled and committed some type of angelic bestiality, and this rebellion was very bad for the earth. Now, we're going to talk about the implications of this, and Ed was talking about the Nephilim last time, and Ed, if you will, um, I guess just jump right in and tell us what you believe the Nephilim are. Okay, um, what I was going to sidetrack to, I want to break them into the first, the sons of God, right? Because yeah. the sons of God, in again, we were talking about first Enoch, right? Um, and in first Enoch, Enoch tells us about the angels teaching the humans all sorts of things, plant cutting, like basically like dr drugs and, and uh, 
and metallurgies and different things like that, how to make weapons of war. They said you're basically a better way to, to destroy ourselves, right? And then, right, and remember, this is the beginning. So, so it wasn't just that they had the sex with women, but they also taught people things that they didn't, uh, that they wouldn't have known. These were heavenly things that were supposed to be, that the angels do, but the people didn't know. Now, back in the first episode, that's where I was kind of going was, God... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you just said something. I don't know if you're going to expand on it a little bit, but they taught things that humans didn't know. Uh, yeah. Did you did you say again, I'm sorry, I was reading a comment, but did you say again that uh, you're getting this, where you're getting this from? Yeah, this is from First Enoch. Yeah. Okay, First Enoch. And yeah, again, Enoch. folks, if you just joined us, please understand we're not Eastern Orthodox that accept Enoch. They're the only they're the only ones who have no no the the uh, Ethiopian Orthodox are the only ones who canonize the Book of Enoch. We don't, which which means that we do not have it in the Bible. We do not believe that it has the the type of authority the type of inspiration or, uh, you know, it's just, it's not canonized. It's not dogmatized. Uh, uh, and so would we usually don't read it. We don't look at it, but he's talking about the book of Enoch first Enoch. And in, uh, in doing so he's expressing not a belief that he thinks it should be canon, but a belief that I agree with that it has truth because the new Testament, the, uh, new Testament itself, Jesus and the apostles referred back to it, quoted it in Jude. Therefore, it was part of their tradition. So it's very incumbent upon us, very important for us to read the book of First Enoch. Now, I'm sorry, you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, and you're right. I, I don't think it's can, it should be canonized at all. But they all, everybody knew it. So that, that's the important thing because that's the audience that a lot of the, the, the New Testament was written to. Um, but so, so this is the other point about the angels. And then we'll talk about the Nephilim. <clears throat> so uh, let me just read this here. And all this is uh, chapter seven, uh, verse one. Okay. And all all the others together with them took took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go into them, go in unto them, and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made, the, made them acquainted with plants. Okay. And then uh, verse two talks about the basically uh, them uh, generating, making the, the field. But then in eight, it says, And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them bracelets, ornaments, use of antimony. Um, that's like some kind of chrysalis uh, material, beautifying of the eyelids. So, so the angels taught the people all of these things they weren't supposed to know. And I'm not sure if I'm going to find this other verse. Um, but there's a verse where God tells tells the angels when they're, or he tells Enoch to tell the angels that you taught them worthless things. You don't know that much. Um, I'll have to, I'll see if I can find that verse, but it's hard to talk and look at the same time. But he basically tells the, the angels that are. Is, is that whenever, is that whenever Enoch was sent to the angels? Yeah, they, they this is the same, yeah, he was sent on behalf of the, and, and it says, you, you uh, God says to Enoch, tell him you were supposed to help the men, not, you, not men, not the angels were supposed to help mankind, not mankind help the angels. Right? That's his basic response. 
But then later he tells them, you, you only know worthless secrets. You don't know all the secrets, right? And that's the verse I, I have to go and look up um, and try and find it. <clears throat> so that's, but that's the angels. In, in, in addition to creating the Nephilim, they also taught them all of these things that are destructive for people. And if you remember, this is when, right after this is, is when the flood is coming, right? When God tells Noah about the flood. This is the prerequisite for the flood. Right. So, um, so that's, isn't that, isn't that interesting? I mean, uh, we, again, like last time we talk about things, we talk about things back then in terms they would understand. That's what we have to do. And uh, when we talked about, you know, Ezekiel seeing God in the, in the weird vehicle that God came in, right. uh, you know, we, we, we thought to ourselves, how would we describe it today? How would we think about it? And we, you know, we talk association now, now whenever you talk about they, them teaching them things, mm -hmm. They're, t they're talking about it in the terms that they understand back then. And um, so is this is this technology they're teaching them? Is this? Yeah, is it, this it, it absolutely. I mean, metallurgy and everything, that's high tech back then. Yeah. Knowing, yeah. How, knowing how to work with metals and make brass shields and, and all the weapons of war, right? Knives and swords and things like that. that that's high tech. What do you think the difference is in the... the the rebellion of Babel compared to the rebellion of Genesis chapter six in the flood. Well, okay, again, you know, and and I I've read unseen realm. I've I, the the um, website that he asked you to help him on, you know, uh, to contribute to was probably either Fringe Pop one two three is what he came out with or Paleo Babel. Those are two of his websites. Fringe Pop's actually a great little YouTube channel that. He takes all these little these myths and, and things and then breaks them down from a biblical perspective. Well, wait, 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 say that again. I'm going to write it down here for uh, people to see. Okay, so one. It, it, no, just tell me what it's called. Fringe. Fringe pop one two three. That's a weird weird name. I didn't. I actually didn't know about this. I knew about his his deal, his podcast that was on. Naked what did Bible call it? Yeah. Naked Bible what was it? It's Naked Bible Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great podcast. They're still doing it. Uh, I don't know if they're just going to finish. They have guests on, like Justin Bass, and um, I can't remember a couple of the other ones that are they're doing chapter by chapter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his one on Leviticus is actually awesome, uh, which seems weird to do one on Leviticus. But yeah, yeah. Really, really good. I've never heard the, that those that phrase put together in that way. Awesome, yeah. along with Leviticus. Leviticus, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, um, okay. When Carrie's asking, when what era is Enoch referencing? This is all. This is all before the flood. The whole, yeah, the whole. This whole thing that we're talking about. The first, uh, I want to say, 15, 16 chapters of First Enoch is all about the flood, the sons of God, um, you know, the, the fall of the sons of God, and the Nephilim. And then it, then it talks about the sons of God are when Jude says, you know, they're, they're trapped in gloomy darkness until the end. These are the angels. These angels are not, they won't be released until, until the day of the Lord. They're, they're going to come back for the final, final try. And, and then they go to their destruction. Well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? They are, they are put in a special place and, you know, it's just them. And right. so we assume it's not all the angels, and we know it's not 
all the fallen angels are all the bad ones because we see some more in heaven later on talking to God. So he doesn't say, I'll be bad angels. I'm putting you in some place and you're staying there. But this was a special group, which makes me assume, you know, again, that there are there are rebellious and and righteous in heaven. There are people who are for God and against God or in the other dimensions, wherever he calls this from. And some of them could be angels, so bad angels in heaven and uh, good angels in heaven. I know you think, well, bad angel, a bad angel is just a demon. But hold on, hold on. We'll talk about that. And we, 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 we need to rethink that maybe. Right. Yeah. Well, well we definitely do in light of um, in light of first Enoch anyway, because the spirits of the, the Nephilim or the Nephilim, however you want to say it, those spirits. Now, they're, remember, they're they're partly spiritual, partly heavenly, right? Angelic, if whatever, because of the sons of God, and they're partly human. So they're not going to heaven, right? They're they're not return. Their spirits aren't going to be going to heaven. But so when they die, they're bastard spirits is what they're called. And, and when you hear unclean spirits, right, because they're part human and part human spirit, part heavenly spirit. And so so this is, um, you know, this is where demons actually come from, according to first Enoch, and according to Jewish be- Jewish belief, because these are the these are the things that they uh, they believed in. They, like as Heiser talks about, we talk about the fall as causing all the evil in the world. But the ancient Jews would have said it's the fall, it's the sons of God, and it's the um, it's the Tower of Babel. Those three things are what cause evil in, in the earth. So, um, but so the Nephilim, the spirits of Nephilim, are called the demons. That's the actual demons that they're they're wandering bodies. They don't eat. They can't sleep. They, you know they don't they don't do anything. They wander the earth. And they need, and and when we read in the New Testament about possession, it's most likely these spirits that are roaming that need to take the host's body in order to do anything, anything related to humanity. That's why they they want to be, that's why they want to possess people, because it is back in their natural state that they used to be in at a body, right? Right, only much shorter. I mean, kind of like, kind of like us. Whenever in uh, Paul says we 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 do not want to be without a tent, a body. Right. We'd rather go from one place to another because to be naked without a body is not a very great state for people who were made to have a body. Therefore, we will long even in heaven to have a body. And if these if these demons had a body beforehand, then now they have just in spirit and they're somewhere. They're here on earth. They're cursed to the earth, and um, th- and we get this from from the book of Enoch. Now, the reason why, once again, he's saying this. The reason why Ed is is saying demons. Let me make this clear: demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim that were cursed to roam this world. Um, and the reason why he's saying that is because that is what it's taught in Enoch. That is the tradition of the second temple Judaism right around Christ's time. And so Christ comes in during that time and speaks in accordance with the traditions and even calls them the same thing that they had been calling them demons and, uh, or, uh, unclean spirits. That that's what he calls them. Right. right. That, that, that's what it said in, in Enoch. That's what it said in the Jewish tradition beforehand. So he says they are unclean spirits. He does not call them angels. He does not call them fallen angels. He calls them unclean spirits and they're cursed to roam the earth. And even Jesus says 
just within coordinates with Enoch. They are cursed to roam in waterless and deserted places, and that is bad for them. I think that that is so significant, Ed, and yeah, I think absolutely. people really need to think about that and the implications of it. That demons are not just they're they're not fallen angels; they're fallen hybrids. Right. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. Now, Ed, here's the problem I have with it, even though I just now said it with excitement. I mean, what what in the world do we do with these things? I mean, here, here we have spirits, self-consciousness. They can experience uh, a need and, and pain and whatever else because they're cursed to wonder. Waterless places. They, they're cursed to be hungry. They're per cursed to be without a body. Why are they cursed? What did they do wrong? That's the thing that really kills me. And I'm not saying you necessarily have the answer, but I'm just trying to say, isn't that isn't that hard for you? No, um, because they're not God's creation. God created the sons of God. They sinned by crossing over where they were supposed to be in their realm. And but it's not their fault. But they're still, they're still not human and they're not gods they still fall outside it's the it's the punishment of and also i mean we didn't talk about what they actually do right they devour in the book of enoch they pretty much kill everybody eat people um you know so they did you're you're right i mean that's yeah, something that yeah, you got hell look into because we're just sticking to the basics right but, but it's not like they were ever good um but they're also they they don't qualify we qualify for salvation through Christ because we're God's creation. They are not God's creation. They're, they're, ba they're bastards, literally bastards, right? They, they don't belong in heaven with, with the other angels, even the ones that sin. They're pure spirit, at least. They're, they're trapped, right, till the end, but they're a real spirit. They're the ones that actually committed the sin. But these, the Nephilim, are, they're just literally bastards. They don't belong anywhere. They're an abomination. Okay. They weren't created by God. Okay. That didn't help me at all. Yeah, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> some things we're just not going to agree on, which is. No, no. It's not that I disagree with you. I'm just saying it didn't help me from the standpoint of me scratching my head trying to figure out that me, uh, me, I accept that. But at the same time, it gives me problems. Not problems because I don't, I, I, I won't accept it, but problems because it's kind of like, why would God do something like this? And I'm not necessarily saying you have the answer, but you said something again, really important here um, that they were, that they ate people. <laughs> you say, where in the world do you get that? And, and again, you have to, you, you got to look to our sources, all right? Our primary source is the Bible. And we all know that. Me and Ed believe that it's our final source. It's above anything else. If anything else goes against it, the Bible wins. So start there. But we also, we look to other traditions, which is the Book of Enoch. But we also look at archaeology, the world. What is going on in the world? What what are the other sources of what's happened? I mean, that's so much of our information. We study history. We we figure out well, you know, the, what the different nations were two thousand years ago and the wars that happened. Why? Because we want to know history and understand it. Now, the weird thing is, folks, and you guys probably know this, there is a massive history. People are going to think I'm crazy. Ed. There is a massive history of um, of demigods. Not just in Genesis chapter six, 
which I think that that's in a sense what it is, demi sons of God. But uh, there's a massive tradition. Everybody has. There's not. I don't. I don't know of one culture that doesn't have a tradition where the gods came down at the around the same time. Yeah. The gods came down, had sex with women, and produced Hercules. <laughs> you know, right. that's, that's what it was. Anunnaki of Babel. What's that? The Anunnaki, the Greek mythology. They're mm -hmm. all telling the same story from a different perspective. And that's why, like as Heiser would say, the Old Testament, or the, specifically the Old Testament, is a polemic against the Sumerian texts, against the other stories they're are celebrating and worshiping false gods, and so so the Bible is telling the correct story, but they're the same. It's a very similar story that you know you had the you had the um, pre the Anunnaki before and after the flood. The ones after the flood are the Nephilim; those are the giants, the men of renown, right? Um, and the ones before the flood were the were the angelic beings. They were the Hundred percent spirit. Afterwards, like uh, Gilgamesh and all, and these guys, they are like two thirds God, one third human, right? They're, that's that's the Nephilim. Gilgamesh was also a giant. Well, that's interesting, right? So, so all of these stories are basically telling the same story. And the Bible, Here, here's what it is: quick, rapid fire through, like four verses on this. Five. Then we have a flood, and then in chapter eleven, we're the Tower of Babel, yeah, repopulated. So some of the other literature fills in these gaps. This is what the people were thinking, writing about during the during those times, right? Uh, at least talking about it. if it was oral tradition that got written later. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's just so. It's here's the deal, folks. And I know what you're thinking. I know what a lot of y'all think because I think the same thing. Um, I just used Hercules as an example. Right. And you think that that's crazy that to hear I'm changing the channel or this is one of those, you know, just nut jobs that we have. And there's tons of them. And and, you know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not, but I do have a method. I do believe I know how to find truth. I'm not saying this is truth, but here's the deal. Because something is the, the here's the saying that I have in the theology program, which you should get credocourses.com, the theology program. But a saying that I have is the, pal the palatability of a doctrine does not determine its veracity. And what that means is how well it sits does not determine the truth. If you hear something and you have an immediate response that that is too weird, too bizarre, you are you, that is not a source of truth. That is just a feeling that is based upon a... a um, a, a beliefs that you have at the current moment and the feeling itself does not help anything. I mean, we've got all kinds of bizarre things in the Christian faith that we believe. Uh, the bizarrity of a doctrine does not determine its veracity. I mean, just think we've got talking snakes. You may say that's too bizarre. I don't accept it. Well, we've got we've got demons. Uh, we've got angels. We've got we've got all kinds of things out there talking donkeys that that happen that are bizarre. I mean, we even in the real world have so many bizarre things. I always I look at di dinosaurs and dinosaur bones. You go through a museum, and I say that that just doesn't seem real. It seems fake. 
since there's bones, since we actually have it there, then it's we accept it. And the same thing with so many of these other things. You know, I saw fish the other day that had the face of a man, a real fish. It was crazy. It was weird. The shark that was that was mutated and had some. Anyway, we find things and we discover them and they get out of that category of bizarre. One of the most bizarre things that happens in this plant on this planet, one of the weirdest things, the craziest things, the thing that just blew my mind more than anything else was whenever my first child was born and I watched what happened and I knew what was going to happen. I, you know, I'd heard about it and everything else, but as I sat there and watched it, I could not believe what was going on. All of a sudden my head was just like, it's really real. This is really happening. This is so weird. The baby is coming out head first. I can see the hair. That is bizarre to me. But it's no longer bizarre because it becomes normal. Once it becomes normal, it gets out of the context of bizarre. Everything we believe starts out as bizarre. Everything. Until you put it in a context that is either experiential, it's no longer bizarre because I see it all the time, or because it is very logical through your methodology to believe it. And here's what me and Ed are doing, and here's what Ed's doing, is that he's saying... All these things that the, the ancient Egyptians and Greeks and the Romans and the Aztecs, they all had these, these uh, beliefs that the gods came down from heaven. We don't believe what they say about the gods was correct, but we do believe something happened and it fits in with our worldview to where the angel or the sons of God came down and had sex with the women and produced giants, physical giants, the Nephilim. And so I, I just want you to see this. We're not just, we're looking at the Bible. And like Ed said, it's a little small passage. There's not a whole lot. You know, the Nephilim are mentioned maybe three or four more times. The Raphalim are mentioned twice, I think. And uh, these are the descendants. These are the giants. Um, and we, we kind of just pass over it. And that's okay to pass over it in this sense that God didn't see it as really important to talk about. Uh, but he did make it as kind of a turning point in history, a big turning point in history. And here's the deal, Ed. Here's the deal. And this gets us all the way back to what we're talking about here. The most important thing that we're talking about here, that was the days of Noah. Yeah. We're talking about the days of Noah and what happened. And why would I say so that's so important? Because that's what Jesus says the end will be like. It will be like the days of Noah. Now, that's 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 interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Ed? I, I absolutely do. I mean, that's <clears throat> it's one of the big things. And, and I mean, he says marry and then giving, you know, marry and give a marriage. So he doesn't specifically go into the details of, of the Nephilim. But you have to say that that was the days of Noah. The days of Noah, the world was so evil. Why was the world so evil? Well, you had the Nephilim, but then you also had the angels teaching these people how to be better at being evil, how to kill themselves, how to how to use plants and things for. I mean, he, he's not talking about eating vegetables. I don't think. Pretty yeah. sure he's talking about like pharmacology, right? Yeah. You know, so so in the days the days of Noah was before the flood. All of his evil on the earth. The, the people got extremely evil during the days of Noah. Right? I, I don't know what at what point because the Bible is just chapter six, right, verse one, and, and it. It is, but it does emphasize the 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 angels what they did. That is the most interesting thing. You could say, well, the days of Noah is just when everybody was bad. 
Right. But no, that's not just it. The entire section that is that is the turning point of history. The entire section says what it says that there was that there was unrighteousness on the earth. Then gives a very specific example of what that unrighteousness is, and probably the instigator of that unrighteousness. Satan was the instigator in the garden. We, uh, we, we, we don't blame it on Satan. We take our own responsibility, but there was an instigator. There's an instigator here uh, at the turning point of history. And I think me and Ed agree that if something's going on with these UFOs, maybe it's an instigator again. Right. I, I do. I do agree. Uh, whether it's fallen angels or I don't see it's how it's the feeling, but the, not the fallen angels, but the angels yet to, to fall. We, yeah, did talk yeah, about, yeah. we talked about good and bad angels. We're like, they, they have free choice. God gives them free will. He doesn't create robots. We have free will to do good or to do bad. They did as well. Some of them made bad choices. Some of them are going to make bad choices in the end times. We know there's a war, you know, that there's, there's a coming war, a, a heavenly war against God and the, the other spiritual beings. Most are on his side, some are not. And that's gonna, and so why, if they taught technology back, if the, the angels that sinned taught technology to the humans back then, they had a very crude, early, you know, technology at that time. I assume I wasn't there, right? But thousands and thousands of years ago. But why? Why would they be limited? Why couldn't they teach technologies now? Why couldn't? Why can't they use modern technologies to keep up with modern? with modern things, right? Modern society, modern culture. Uh, and, and when you come down to the specific example, why can't the UFOs be from the same type of species uh, whenever we're creating these things? You know, they're yeah. teaching us to do that stuff. Yeah, I'm not right. saying they are, but there's no, but, no reason to say that they're, they're not. No, well, that, that's the point. That's why this is so tied to you, you, ufology, ufology, however you want to say it. It's so tied to it because... If it's deception, it's, de it's clearly deception, right? Let's, I mean, let's face it. Yeah. The government lies, right? We, we know the government's got secrets about this stuff. Um, but is it, I can't say it's all the government. But I, and I can't say it's all spiritual, right? I, I don't know what, the, what it is because you can't tell what's true with the government until you find out, you know, they disclose and they just don't disclose except for what they want. You've also got, the World Economic Forum, and they basically just want the whole world to be one government, right? They want everything run through the UFO or through, you know, um, Klaus Schwab, whatever. So you have motivation for a giant scare of UFOs. You do, and, and when we talk about the one government, you know, you're talking about stuff that's in Revelation, that's in Daniel, I mean, stuff that's prophetic. And I know you're not necessarily saying this is the end times, because uh, we don't we don't know, but at no, the same time, at the same no, time, no. you are saying maybe it is. I and I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah I, we don't know, but I can't see how um, you, you can't consider. We would, I mean, every day you get closer to the end times anyway, right? Just by the calendar. And we um, know everybody. Every generation has said it's the end times, but well, that's what's so for me. Yeah, you're talking about the great delusion, and this is in First uh, Thessalonians uh, or Second Thess Thessalonians chapter two. And it says, uh, uh, going back a couple of verses in verse seven, um, 
The secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. I believe that's the Holy Spirit right. holding back the complete rebellion. I think the difference between us and Genesis chapter 6 right now is the Holy Spirit holding it back in us. It's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness. So that that's what I believe is going on. I don't know that it's going on now, but I know it's going on from the time Thessalonians has written until now and until that the the holy spirit is taken away uh which i believe it's in the rapture i know that you know that's a minority position with with scholars but um I, I do believe it i don't hold to it that strongly but i do believe it so it says until the one who's taken out of the way then the lawless one one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. I like that. I yeah. mean, just to pause right there. You know, we, had a big build up. we have a big buildup, right? But then the end is uh, pretty swift. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, how does he destroy? It's not how a does... good fight. It's not a fair fight. <laughs> how does Jesus overthrow him? By the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor. I mean, I've never seen anything get destroyed by splendor. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it, it, that it, that is just so cool. Such a great way to put it. Just side note, but it says, um, "And the coming one, the coming one, the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of power through signs and wonders, and serve the lie." Now that's interesting. Serve the lie, and then it says, "And all." the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing they perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved for this reason god sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie so the lies are already there as we just heard about it about satan now god sends a delusion so that they will believe the lie which is interesting beyond anything i mean god sending a delusion god using evil but i'll, I'll make that short I, I mean if god doesn't use evil he doesn't have anything to work with down here because that's all we are so uh that that's uh that that settles that with uh, one statement but um they will believe the lies so that they will be condemned uh so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wicked, wickedness. Now, that's the thing we sometimes talk about right here, and especially with the stuff that's going on. When What is the great delusion? I mean, at least we have to consider that at all times. There's some great lie that is coming or is here. And man, Ed, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever said this, but this seems to qualify a lot. Yeah, it does. I, I would say, for me, this is one. There's, there's several, several options right now, right? Um, I think I think it was Carrie said the pandemic didn't scare us enough, right? But so a, a mass alien invasion that would be a great delusion, right? Yeah. And um, World War Three between us, Russia, and China, nuclear weapons everywhere that would be a great uh, at least uh, attention getter, right? That would yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a great destruction. All these things would help join the world together. I know we got to, you know, we, we got to get together and, and uh, work as one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, in, in principle, there's nothing the matter with getting together more because one, because that's what we'll do with heaven. I mean, we'll be all be together and we'll be under one, but we do believe. Oh, you know, leaders, right? 
yeah, yeah. Human yeah. Leader, in fine. our unrighteous state, longing for that is what I'd say is okay. But with us as Christians, it's a little bit different because we know that that is coming and it is evil in the end times. So, um, well, so let me say one more thing too about the about um, <clears throat> it's a little bit separate. Maybe you're planning on talking about this anyway. But what's the big attraction with UFOs nowadays, as far as as far as the sexiness of them, right? It's I know the government everything's releasing it, but we have this huge new age culture. And a lot of that new age culture is tied into the cosmos, into the zodiac, into UFOs, into space, into all these things. And it's kind of almost like the ancient aliens, again, I'll mention that, because there you get the creator, right? When when aliens created everything, now all of a sudden we have no personal accountability, we have no responsibility in this whole world. We just feel better when we start worshiping the ground and we start worshiping the sky and the zodiac and, and doing these chants and staring at this crystal and burning this incense and all these things. And the world is getting, so many people are getting caught up into this because it's spirituality without responsibility. These things just make you feel better about who you are. And so I just see how the new age and the UFO world together Fit, fit to deceive so many people. People don't want to come to Christ, right? They don't want to. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to study the Bible, learn about God, accept accept Christ and, and the Holy Spirit. Because once you do that, now you recognize you've given your life over. You've accepted. I am not my own God. I'm not God. There's one God, and all these other religions let you be God. They let you. You're in control of yourself. The universe loves you. You've got to pull the energy out of the universe. And, and so I think that's part of the deception as well. Because well, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly you know, set, our world is set up for this, this thing that's coming or, or this UFO. Again, not saying it's the end time, but it just, there, we're, we're going to fall for it. That's what it is. We are going to fall for it. Hook, yeah. line, and sinker, our culture, even our culture here in America, Christian culture, um, we will fall for this whatever this is and this seems like this ufo stuff seems very ripe to fall for even yeah. though i'm a bit surprised in the lack of interest right now yeah you know i i think the way they're rolling it out is they're, they're trying to make it more interesting people are just kind of like the problem is they've been lying for 50 years right so most people already believe ufos are real the government telling you when the government lies to you about everything they're not, that's not convincing. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's why they're using whistleblowers. I don't, again, I, I don't know that that guy's a whistleblower as much as a spokesperson, but um, I, I mean, I could be wrong. It's just his attitudes just don't seem, um, he seemed more serious in front of Congress than he was on the News Nation. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Gosh, again, look at this. We've gone another hour. <laughs> I mean, there, this is just such a big topic, folks, and it's a lot of fun to talk about. Maybe we'll come back and talk about it again later. But um, we forgot about Babylon. What's that? Babylon. We can save that for another time if you want. Well, uh, you, you want to mention it? Go ahead. Go ahead. We, we got about five well, minutes. We can pull off. Right before the, right before the last break, um, you had mentioned Babylon. Let's see. I mean, I'm, yeah, the Tower of Babylon. Tell her about it. So, um, I, I mean, again, with Heiser, you know where Heiser goes with this, right? Heiser yeah. goes 
lived. Um, even even though you don't believe me, I have read all his books. Okay, you just don't believe in him. Okay, uh, like hey, uh, Carrie mentioned, we talked about this. Uh, mentioned uh, something about Heiser, you know, Henry Theas Amigo. Thank you. Um, that's not really. That's what we accuse. I didn't accuse him. Me and Taffy were on the other side of this. The Tower of Babel is where God divorces the nations, right? In chapter 11. Chapter 10 is the table of nations, right? So, and then chapter yeah, 11. Yeah. Listen, to what, listen to what Ed's saying. I do agree with this. I think it's very important. Repeat that again. The Tower of Babel is what? The Tower of Babel is where God divorces the nations of the world. That is He's, a great way to put it. He, he, he says, I'm, I'm done with you people, right? Um, and then right after, and, and that's when he separates the world. But according to uh, Michael Heiser, and I, I believe this is true too, and I think this is where a lot of the different religions and things come from, what, what um, Carrie's saying about the henotheism is that God put sons of God, other spiritual beings, in charge of the nations of the world. Then he took Abraham as his own. So Okay, so okay. Okay, that, now what, what what there's somewhere in the Bible that is very specific about this that you're getting this from, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it uh, uh, Deuteronomy 32? Well, yeah, Deuteronomy 32 8 is where it goes into uh, details, and then so I think it's Deuteronomy 30. Uh, Deuteronomy? No, you gotta go to Deuteronomy first. Yeah, I believe it's 32 8. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll start with seven, right? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Okay, so that's, that's Deuteronomy 32, uh, verses 7 and 8. Now, wait, 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 pause for a second, folks. I mean, you, you gotta listen to this and you gotta hear this first because Heiser, like I said, I don't agree with everything he says, but Heiser did, I think he did something extraordinary in, in bringing this particular passage to light much more extraordinary than, uh, the prayer of Jabez. <laughs> the prayer of Jabez took a random passage and just messed everything up. This was it's from a great scholar, and he uh, he. It's not that he saw something brand new. It's just that he's emphasizing something, and this is this is a big part of the turning point of his theology to understand what happened. And really, this passage is the only one that tells us this. It's very, but it is specific enough to I think we can we can say for sure what it is. Now, your Bible may say something different than yours. Did you get to the part about this? The last yeah, part. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. That's at the end of um, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. When He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the peoples. This is what you're talking about. Yeah. According to the number of the sons of God. Okay. Now it's Israel. You got you got sons. You just said according to the sons of God, but I'm sitting here looking at the New International Version, and it says the sons of Israel. Right. Because the Masoretic text says the sons of Israel, but the Dead Sea Scrolls say the sons of God. 
So the text that we use, the Hebrew text that we use that is dated to the ninth century after Christ says the sons of Israel, but the Dead Sea Scrolls that are dated to the third or fourth century before Christ say the sons of God. So which one is correct? Which one is earlier? That's something of text criticism that you got to look at. But basically what Ed's saying, and I agree, is that the Masoretic text does not have it right. Somebody changed it because... that's a difficult verse whenever you say that he uh, divided it according to the sons of God. And it's something that's honoring Israel if you change it that way. So you can understand why they would change it, uh, but it was a wrong change. And if it's the sons of God, according to the number of the sons of God, then we've got a verse here talking about these spiritual beings again that are not human. So the nations of the earth after the Tower of Babel were given to the sons of God, at least to rule in a, what would you call it? Um, As a placeholder. I I, I believe that their job job was to bring people back to God. They were were to take care of them. Let's go and look at, if you look at um, Psalm 82, that's where God is basically yelling at them and, you know, reaming them for not doing what they're supposed to do. And this is the verse... That, um, yeah, Carrie, you do need a mic. It's weird talking without you yelling in our ear. <laughs> when I know you're here, and I'm trying to read your stuff, but I can't, I can't uh, do that at the same time. Um, but so, so they were supposed to, they were supposed, they weren't supposed to destroy people or, or create all of these, the Anunnaki, the, the Greek mythology, all the other religions of the worlds. They were taken, they took praise onto themselves, but that wasn't what they were supposed to do. But the people were, again, they were being stubborn. God had told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? Move on, people. After the flood, they didn't move on. They settled and they built the Tower of Babel. God wasn't scared that the Tower of Babel was going to reach up to them. You know, actually reach Yeah, up. yeah. He knows, he knows that. But, but he's also, they're, they're, not, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. And so when he scattered them, he didn't just change their languages, but he moved them and put different gods in charge not gods that's the tricky part right sons of god spiritual beings whatever you want to call them right the word elohim is not it doesn't we translated it as god right that's why when you read like god walks among the gods it sounds really weird because when we have a small g and an s at the end we that doesn't settle and we we usually change it to spiritual beings or something like that but it is it yeah. is that, and I think I think there's meaning behind that. Now, yeah, but that's now where the theism idea comes. Kind of. He he divided according to the sons of God, and that was at the Tower of Babel because something happened again. I mean, you have the flood, something major happening, and the Tower of Babel, something major happening, and in both, you know, you got one where the angels are coming down, intermixing, and that's a big part of it. And then there's technology or whatever they taught them that they shouldn't have been taught. And then back here, there's uh, a tower being built. Again, kind of a a technology to get to heaven, a technology to to uh, uh, make us autonomous beings, uh, to be greater than God, to eat the apple or to eat the fruit again, because to know good and evil and be able to be ourselves. But this this stuff that's going on here today could very well be a tower of Babel. Absolutely. It, it absolutely could. And we're starting to, and I think this is where, 
again, this is why I was talking, took a couple minutes to talk about the new age stuff, right? Because, because people are, they're thinking they can become, we all we have plenty of false religions too, right? Um, but, but all the new age stuff is the modern Gnosticism. It's the modern, it's spirituality without responsibility. And they're setting themselves up for a fall and they are inviting, they are inviting in the, the day of the Lord. But I, I personally, my belief is there's a, God's inviting the Gentiles, right? They're, they're, the, the world, Jews and Gentiles at this point, but into salvation. When that, when that number, whatever, it, I'm not saying it's even a fixed number, but if it's God, he probably is. When, when that number comes in, the fullness of the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit's going to release, right? That's, it, that's on yours, right? That, that siren? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the okay. <laughs> yeah, We have a hospital up the hill. I live in a mountain, and there's a hospital at the top of the hill. So, um, okay. yeah. So, um, anyway, um, but so let's do, can I do Psalm 82 real quick here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psalm 82. Yeah, just finish this off. Um, so Psalm 82, <clears throat> this is the one that um, freaks everybody out, right? And this is the one that was like a life changer for Heiser, too, and pointed him in the direction he ended up going. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said to you, I said, you are gods, sons of the most highs, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall at any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So the key, obviously, is the first verse, right? God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment, right? And then he goes on and he's judging, he's judging the sons of God who he put in charge back in the Tower of Babel. When he said, I'm done with you people, I'm taking Abraham, I'm going to take. I'm going to take Abraham, his wife is barren, so that's perfect for me to start over, right? She can't have kids, so this is a perfect way to start. Then he starts his own people, and that's where Israel becomes his people, right? So, and the rest of the world, he's handed over. So, I, uh, that, that gave the Jews trouble uh, because, well, Christ used that passage, which was very interesting, another whole right. story with it. But whenever, whenever we use the word God, we are doing it um, in a in a in a very philosophical way. Usually, mm -hmm. not just powerful spiritual beings that we worship, but we think of God as you know the ultimate creator, the creator, the creation creator from nothing. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what we're saying whenever we look at this. But in the Bible, whenever they would God would talk about it, and He does. I mean, you can't deny it. Over and over again throughout the Bible, he does refer to other gods as gods, mm -hmm. uh, but he's not referring to them as created being or creator uh, creators like he is. Right. He created all of them. They are as distant from him as we are. Uh, they are they are only gods in the sense that he has given them some type of special dominion, uh, heavenly dominion. That would probably be the best way to put it. And so, therefore. 
they are gods. They are spiritual beings that are worshipped. And so we we got it. We got to think in Old Testament terms how they were thinking of things. God's battle against other gods that He calls gods. So there is a a. I don't know if I could would say it's necessarily an accommodation to their understanding of the day, but something like that. Because right. uh, he's not saying the fullness of what God means and what we understand. So right. that is very important for, for this because it creates a, a worldview that begins to open up to all these different things. It is It is something that, you know, throughout this series, you and I, I think we we agree for the most part. I mean, I don't even know of anything except for whether angels have penises. <laughs> that, that's that's where we diverge. We prefer there, and I, I don't feel sorry for the spirits living definitely. And of course, you, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I should have thought about it. I figured you wouldn't feel sorry for them. I mean, you're you're. I mean, I'm not going to say it, but you're kind of heartless. There, I just said it. <laughs> you just listen to my wife. That's all. I'm just kidding, but I, I just think yeah, this is this is we, this has been a great conversation. This has been so much fun. It's what it's, it's been better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought it was going to be pretty good, but um, it, it's it's fun because here we are, the for the maybe the first time in the history of the world talking about this specific stuff in this specific way, trying to understand it because we are Christians and we're trying to expand our understanding. We are, I believe if this stuff is all going on, we're at another Tower of Babel. We're at another flood stage. We're at the days of Noah. If this is true, I'm not making any predictions. I'm not that type of guy. But at the same time, as Ed said, we've always got to be looking. We've always got to be have our eyes open and not blinded, not our heads in the sand, because we believe the Bible is true, and we believe this kind of stuff is going to happen, so it should not surprise us. Weird things going on, I know. Bizarre things going on, I know, but you just wait. It'll get a lot more bizarre, and uh, it, we'll put those in different categories. But thank you for joining us, and we had a blast throughout this thing. Don't forget to go to Patreon and uh, subscribe and uh, uh, help us out. That's how you help us out. Go to Credo Courses, get courses, but Patreon is the best way to start because if you become a patron, you get all the, the Credo Courses. They come with it uh, depending upon your level, but some of them come with it even at the lowest level. So help us out there. Become a patron. Uh, we love you. You're, you're so great to us. Um, we wouldn't exist without you. So well, until next time, thank you. Theology 